Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. I've been on demand, but not that much in demand. Just hanging out because they couldn't find anybody else. Here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast, I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. And we are going to be joined in just a matter of moments by an old friend for the Dace Group, former strategist for the Tulsi Gabbard for President campaign, our one and only Democrat friend, Paul Alexander, the token. But he's a lovable one at that. Good to see you again, my friend. We'll be joining you momentarily. Look, you're dressed to the nines, man. I like it. He looks good. Just the way I roll. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, we got Todd. We got Todd to get a haircut this week. That's about the best we could do for you on our end. But uh, you look good, dude. So well done. Yeah, Todd's looking sharp. Uh, before we get to the program, a reminder: next hour we will get to feedback Friday. We will dig into your responses to us, and we'll respond to your responses to us. Also, a reminder that the clock is ticking. If you are looking for alternatives for your child's education this fall, get ahead of our or get a hold of our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. And I know firsthand these guys do good work. My own son was enrolled in FPA two of the years that uh, he was homeschooled. Uh, Dr. Duke Pesta and the team over there, we fought together back in the day against Common Core. So they are true believers in classical education based on Judeo-Christian values, where they teach children how to think, not what to think. So if you want to raise a critical thinker, not um, a, a, you know, a, a pawn of the total state, check them out. Freedomforschool.com is where you want to go. That's F-O-R. Freedomforschool.com. You can get a free information packet today, or you can just go ahead and jump right to, uh, you know, culminating the relationship get 10 percent on your tuition today at freedomforschool.com again that is freedomforschool.com and with that it is time for the day group There it is. And now let us embark upon your weekly look at the week that was, which begins, as it always does, with issue one, bleep, Lord Nefarious says. Oh, that's exciting. Are you Jones, and what Pride means to me is celebrating that diversity is our strength as a nation and as an army. Pride means something very special to me as a LGBTQ individual, and it's a chance to show everyone what we have to offer in terms of the diverse skill sets that we bring and the diverse ways of thinking we bring into the team to make everything work better. A flag outside of somebody's house, I just automatically assume you racism almost definitely but we felt that way for years like i'm 51 and uh even as a kid we knew it was understood if there was an american flag at their house they some racist ass white that's just that just what it was i thought everybody thought that or knew that um it's funny to see that they're saying it now and it's like it's kind of new but no yeah been thinking about that thought that 
forever. The suburbs. Because they don't know a god thing about how life is in the city. Jesus saw Zacchaeus and he levels the playing field. Jesus institutes an affirmative action program. The Bible says Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus's house. Notice Zacchaeus was the only one who had to climb the tree and he had to climb the tree to see Jesus because he was short and nobody would open the door and give him access to where Jesus was. But when Jesus comes by. Jesus said, man, come on down. He said, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to your house today. There were a whole lot of people in Jericho on that day. A whole lot of people who wanted to see Jesus, but Jesus chose one to spend time with. Jesus only went to Zacchaeus' house. When everybody else has shut the door on Zacchaeus, God opened the door. Others hated Zacchaeus, denied him the opportunity opportunity of access, but then Jesus comes along and gives him favor. Somebody ought to thank God for favor. Um, just to be clear, so everybody knows that what was taught there was unbiblical and heresy. Zacchaeus actually takes the individual initiative in spite of the societal barriers stacked up against him. This is the biblical story. What you just heard was heresy. That's a false teaching. Uh, remember the song you used to sing when you were a little kid in Sunday school? Zacchaeus, you come down from there. For I'm going to your house, going to your house today. Remember that song? Your kid sang in Sunday school, he's minded. Why? What was Zacchaeus doing? Uh, he was taking the initiative, despite the societal barriers up against him, risking everything. Um on his own accord, in his own initiative, to see the Lord. But there was a catchy beat, Steve, and you can dance to it. Yeah. Didn't you catch that part? Yeah, that, that's just not the tale at all. I mean, that's not the story at all. That's a complete, total false teaching heresy is what that is. So just thought I would correct that. Let's get to the first question. As the guest, Paul, you get to go first. What did you see, if anything, that made you most think about throwing up in your mouth? All right, I will just rip this bandaid off and get this party started. I am pretty sure I'm not going to change any hearts and minds here, but I feel like your viewers should hear this from somebody. Yeah, there are always plenty of things in the montage to be critical of, but I know you three and every other Blaze TV personality have that covered. So I want to talk about that Ron DeSantis LGBT ad that his campaign put out last week. Hopefully I have a little more credibility with you and your audience than the typical talking head on CNN or MSNBC. The sole reason I'm still a registered Democrat is because I live in New York City and we have closed primaries here. Otherwise, I would be an independent. I am the textbook definition of a swing voter and feel no allegiance to either party. I haven't voted for a major party presidential candidate since 2012. And I really do not want Joe Biden to have a second term, so I am wide open to supporting the Republican nominee in 24, assuming it's not Donald Trump. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for how Governor DeSantis managed his state during COVID. But the ad he put out last week 100% pushes voters like me away and makes it less likely he would have my support. Now, it is 
fair game to draw contrast with Trump over cultural issues that matter to GOP voters. Trump being permissive of trans women using women's bathrooms or receptive to trans women competing in the Mess America pageant. Okay, those are legitimate debates we're having right now. Draw that contrast and make your case. But that's not what the ad did. It didn't even really detail what his positions are or what he's done as governor of Florida. Instead, it seemed to celebrate that the gay community fears him, that critics of his believe his policies are extreme and draconian, and that he's proud of this contentious and adversarial relationship he has with the LGBT community. My one main criticism of DeSantis before he launched this campaign was that I felt he could be vindictive. And to me, that's not a desirable trait for someone given the powers of the presidency. That ad both heightened my original reservations and made me question his judgment. Does he want to be president for everybody or does he want to be a professional Twitter troll? I don't want a president who seems eager to divide us further and positions himself as an enemy of any community. So a really distasteful ad and frankly, in terms of his national communications, a very underwhelming campaign thus far being run by Governor DeSantis. Anybody want to address that before I do? Uh, it's completely wrong. The LGBT community is hunting our children for grooming purposes and dismemberment. Uh, apologize for nothing. Step on the gas even harder. Uh, he understands uh, what time it is. And there's simply no time to be anything but utterly honest that if you have these people on their heels... And losing more than they're winning, that's a victory. Period. End of sentence. Other than the last sentence there, talking about the messaging nationally, were you, was that a criticism of DeSantis? Because you were actually selling me. Yeah, on him, I know. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was the best thing they had done yet as a campaign from a messaging standpoint until what they rolled out yesterday with Casey DeSantis, which is one of the best ads I've ever seen, actually. Uh, but um, what he pointed out, first of all, only attack from the right. At all times, on all issues, no matter what, primary or general, only attack from the right. Period in a sentence. Everybody that attacked from the right all got ripped for it. George H.W. Bush's Willie Horton ad. People said the same things that Paul just said about that, about that ad about the Willie Horton ad. Swift Boat Veterans for Truth. Everybody, a lot of the people said the same thing about that ad. Okay. Um, Mexico is only sending us their worst drug dealers and mules and human traffickers. When Trump said that repeatedly, that was basically his, you know, stump speech for a year. Um, all three of those people have one thing in common, which is what is it? They all won. They all won. Largely because of the three messages that people said were too unseemly, vindictive, outside the mainstream, only attack from the right, always, forever, world without end. Amen. Only. Only attack from the right. What DeSantis did with that ad is shown he is he may lose to Trump, but it won't be for the same reasons we did on the Cruz campaign. We allowed Trump to get to our right. And it started on the immigration issue because, frankly, and I'll just tell you, maybe I shouldn't, but I will. Our candidate was a little hesitant to go really to go that far right on immigration because of his own family's history of how they escaped Cuba, both his mother and his father. And by the time he could get to the place where he needed to be with our electorate, Trump had already claimed that place on the stage and was dropping terms like anchor babies. And we, we, we never could be, we were never the most right candidate ever again. 
In the history of Republican primaries, two things always prevail. Number one, whoever has the highest name ID wins every single time. That's number one. That's num- that's lo- that's like location, location, location in real estate. Whoever has the high na- highest name ID wins every single Republican primary, no matter what positions they have on the issue, period, end of sentence, highest name ID wins every time. Number two, on the rare occasions when name ID is actually somewhat even than the most perceived to be based or right-wing candidate wins. That, that's, those are facts. It's just we don't often see number two because most of the time we don't get past number one. Usually the name ID factor is just there's no way to get beyond that. Um, and so I thought it was the best thing they'd done yet, actually. And I thought, I thought he was willing to go to the place of indicating where the true origins of the... Uh, we are perceiving that these are excesses, when the reality is the excesses of the 90s and 2000s is what gave birth to the excesses that we are seeing now. And so, I, I, in fact, I kind of thought he was going to back away from it, actually. And then when he didn't the other day, because... That, remember, that was not like an official campaign video that was put out by a supporter, and then the campaign liked it and, and elevated it. And it, I still believe it's the most viewed video that the campaign has produced thus far. And I would urge him to pursue that in all things, on every issue. Go to the right of Trump on every conceivable, meaningful policy issue. Um, because their name ID is relatively the same, actually, between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. What's different? Trump is perceived as the most based candidate. And as long as that is the case, Donald Trump will not be defeated, nor should he be. Let me make sure I underline that last point. Nor should he be defeated as long as he is permitted to be perceived as the most based candidate. We should be seeking to nominate our most based candidate. And as long as he is, he should remain in first place. And so if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. Walk the aisle, as the great prophet Ric Flair once said. Woo! All right? And you got to take him down. And you're not going to take Donald Trump down from the left, only from the right, as it should be. And that was a step in that direction. But, Paul, you're the guest, so I'm always going to get the last word because it's my show. So in this case, I'll give you the last word and allow you to respond to what we just said. I appreciate the Ric Flair reference always. Uh, (laughs) I I think you're missing my larger point. It's not that he's gone to the right on Trump. It's that there was nothing substantive in that ad. It was just trolling and mean-spiritedness. I still don't know what DeSantis' positions are. If he had articulated them. Yes, you do. Let him finish. Let him finish. I'm, I'm, I'm saying if I were not someone who followed this closely, that ad told me nothing about his actual positions. And he's very, very good at articulating and defending his positions, which he did not do in that ad. It just felt like a mean-spirited attack against a marginalized community, which I don't think serves anyone. He didn't substantively go to the right on Trump on policy in that ad. It was just who can be a bigger Twitter troll. That's what it felt like to me. And that's okay. why I'm pushing okay. against it. Okay. No, nothing. What about in the, let's, that? We could sit here and do this all day. But it's important that we do. And not resolve anything. Nothing's important about what I say about best or worst of the week. And I, I respect that Paul came right out and put this on the table. As I mean, I, I wish we could speak with him on a regular uh, basis. But there's this is what I mean about the movie, uh, the, the, the priest, Father Stu, about people complaining about uh, the cussing in it. There's different commercials for different audiences. You may be right, Paul, that there's a certain audience that needs to hear something different. But the groomers and the abusers and the ones cutting up children need to hear there's going to be a new sheriff in town and your time is done. This is Tombstone, all right? 
this is all over. When he walks into that bar and Billy Bob Thornton tries to pull the tough guy on him and he just pulls his pants down. This is the time. We have no more time. We're going to take it to these people who are demonic, terrible people experimenting on children. And we have a man who's looking them in the eye and saying, it's over. You thought you were the baddest one in town? Uh Uh-uh. That's what this was for. It was not one shot across the bow. It was 10 shots across the bow. And my worst of the week is that couple being handed a daughter. Why does the daughter have a name that they're giving over to this family, so-called family, first of all? And that name happens to be Charlotte. I have a daughter named Charlotte. If she was denied the privilege of my wife for 15 years and handed over to these two faux men, I'm done with this. That was actually too kind, but I hope he's just getting started, Paul. We have got to stop this. That's kind of what Casey DeSantis's message was in her own way. That's the message yesterday was a quantification of, um, yeah, you came for our kids, so we're coming for yes. you. Yeah. Aaron, do you have anything you want to add before we close out issue one? The surrogate thing, that the surrogacy, especially in that in that context, is just a modern, legal form, sophisticated form of human trafficking. One of the, the areas that I just did not care about. I didn't have any thoughts, any opinions about it three or four years ago. Uh, it is definitely human trafficking. Just a sophisticated, socially acceptable form of it. On a scale of one to ten, exit question. With one being the odds, they truly don't know who brought the smack into the Biden White House. And 10 being the odds, Lindsey Graham knows who's bringing the booty smack to his house. Rank this week's level of total depravity. Aaron. Mm, 10. 10. Paul. All right. No joke this time around. I'm going scorched earth, full-blown Karen this week, Steve. I actually have a legitimate question for you that I've been wondering about for a very long time. And sure. I, genuinely, I genuinely want to understand your worldview. So maybe you can clear this up for me, knowing it comes from a place of respect. You bet. I have heard you classify homosexuality as same-sex attraction and imply that you believe it's more of a vice or temptation than it is biology or destiny. Am I, am I characterizing that? Yeah, accurately? I don't believe sexuality, um, sexual desire is an immutable construct. I think sin is an immutable construct, but I don't think human uh, sexual behavior is. Okay, so my question is, if you believe Lindsey Graham struggles with this, there's no public record of him ever indulging in homosexual activity or being in a same-sex relationship. He doesn't have a pro-LGBT voting record. He seems to be successfully resisting that temptation. So by your own worldview, wouldn't that be something to celebrate rather than something to mock? That's an excellent question, actually. Um, and um, here, here's my reply. I'm not ragging on Lindsey Graham for uh, his, what, what tempts him. I am ragging on Lindsey Graham for being a complete and total fraud. Everything about Lindsey Graham is a fraud. He's a fraud on virtually every issue. He's not a sincere entity on any issue. He's not sincere in his private life. He's not sincere in his public life. So this has never even been about 
homosexuality to me. There's several people who I, who give in to their own uh, same-sex desires and temptation that I actually agree with. I don't mock them at all. I agree with them on the issues. I don't mock them at all. I don't agree with their behavior. In this case, Lindsey Graham is representative of the Republican Party in the modern era as a whole. He is a complete and total fraudulent construct. And so I am choosing because of my own immaturity, and most men have never left the sixth grade. I am choosing the most low-lying fruit <laughs> aspect of that fraudulent case to make on a weekly basis because it's really hard to come up with pithy sayings for all the other areas that he has betrayed us and sold us out on. And so this is just the most obvious dig that I could possibly make that everybody would get. Does that answer your question? Okay, that's fair. Okay. All right. Let's get to issue two. This has been good. I like this. Should do this more often. Issue two, the state of our union on our 247th birthday. Transgenderism is a thing in our country on our 247th birthday. That's it. That's the intro. There's that. So if you could choose one word to describe the state of America as we commemorated her 247th birthday this week, what one word would it be and why? Aaron. Screwed. Um, I th- <laughs> Happy Friday. Uh, at, the, at the current rate that we're going and devolving, minus revival, we are destined to be or are already climbing up on the ash heap of history. The very fact that the following sentence, and this, was, this came up again in the last week, week and a half or so, the very fact that the following sentence actually legitimately needs to be said in any society, in any pocket of any society. Don't just, don't just tell me, oh, this is a very online thing. Most people don't care about it or disagree with it. The fact that this has to be said in any, any pocket of any society indicates just how far down the rabbit hole we've gone. Quote, it is not biologically possible for men to breastfeed babies. I'm just going to leave it there. That's a that's a place to leave it. Todd? Uh, I don't think this will surprise anybody, but comfortable. Look at what uh, we've been through on multiple fronts, multiple storylines, what continues to this very day. And as we celebrate July 4th, listen, how, how old is the movie Independence Day now, Steve? Is 1996 that is when that came out. I don't today we, we will not go gently into the yes, night. That's yes. the speech yeah. that we needed on the July 4th because we actually have been invaded by various kinds of Randy aliens. Quaid saves the oh, planet. Yeah. Yes. But we don't have that because we simply can't be bothered. And I'm just I'm reminded by it I'm day in and day out. I honestly my my sick obsession with still tuning into sports radio today because it's like July, post-July. It's like you're trying to be pissed off. There's nothing to talk about, but it just, it it continues to prove my point about this is what men are addicted to. Now they're debating the soap opera that is that new basketball guy and his his people apparently slapping Britney Spears and they can't just get enough of that. I'm telling you, this is, this is, the the men are, are just appalling appalling doofuses these days you know people complain about the character of just ben being on sitcoms you know dumb and well actually i don't think it's a caricature they are they're pathetic 
That is that is the number one difference in sports talk radio from when I did it for a living. That's how I broke into this business for several years. I did sports talk radio. And the number one difference is the ratio of talk about actual games and events to soap opera, dramas. Today is Tom Brady uh, 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 bumping uglies with uh, Kanye West's uh, you know, ex-wife. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it used to be we, spent, we got into the games as an exercise of our competition, put too much energy into those games. Now it's, it's almost as if the games themselves, we don't even have energy left for them. We want the, the soap opera. What conference yeah. is this college team in? Who's got the biggest NIL deal? You know, it used to be this time of year, everybody broke down their predictions of what they thought was going to happen in the upcoming NFL season or the upcoming college football season. And now everybody breaks down their thoughts on who's got the biggest NIL deal and what conferences, who's going to what conference and when. The soap opera surrounding the games has replaced the games in many cases. One of the amazing ironies about men's connection with sports as it's ultimately played out is that it has feminized us. It has. Yeah, and I think, I think because of our desire for the drama rather than for yes. the competition yeah. and the outcome, yes. the meritocracy is gone. And I think, by the way, back to the DeSantis question, this is the biggest challenge of the, of the – if I were on his campaign, that's why I think the ad yesterday is vital. The, the biggest challenge is I don't really provide you any of that soap opera. I love my wife. You know, we met. You know, when yeah. I was in the I was in the Navy. We've that's know, why I'm excited. Raised kids. She left. She left a successful TV job, I believe, to you know uh, be my to you know, to raise our children. You know, I and and so because and and she also happens to be brilliant. So you know, I consult with her, and we're you know on, we're a team, and just ruthlessly and efficient, ruth with ruthless efficiently efficiency, just have laid waste to the state of Florida and our enemies. And now that I mean that arouses me. But that's not an easy lesson to sell because people want the soap opera. I, I actually think there's a lot of people on the right that would prefer a candidate who is further left that gave them drama to entertain them. What, what evidence do you have of this? Yeah, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, actually. So maybe that's just too radical of a hypothesis. Paul, what word would you go with? For the record, that's what I was excited about, too, with DeSantis, a serious executive who seemed competent at his job that would be an adult uh, leading, you know, uh, the Republican agenda. But nevertheless, um, comfortable is a good one. I will go with conflicted. I think we are a country struggling right now with an identity crisis. We've become increasingly distrustful of one another, almost to the point of paranoia. Mm -hmm. And I think we are wrestling with what America should stand for in the 21st century. I completely agree with that, too. I think you guys all had really good answers. Exit question. True or false, America in totality is no longer an objective force for good in the world. Would you say that is true or that is false? This was actually inspired by one of our bicycler hold propositions earlier this week. Aaron. False. You think it's false? So yep. you have a little optimism still. I just think of anywhere left on the planet, you still have the best chance to live somewhat of a free life in, the, in, in this country. Okay. Todd? Uh, well, that's somewhat free, but that's, that wasn't the question, so that's why I think it's true. It's an objective force for good uh, any longer. I, I think it's very, very difficult to make that argument. And the sooner we acknowledge that, maybe we can turn around. If we won't, we won't turn around. Paul, what say you? Uh, false. I, I would second that in terms of Aaron's reasoning. I think you have to grade it on a curve with the other world superpowers 
you know, compared to China, Russia, India, I think we're we're far ahead in being an objective force for good. So I would I would say false. Okay. So I can I can I expand a little bit on that? So I, I said we're screwed and we're still objectively a force for good. Force, you know, outward force, you know, you can talk about that. No, I don't think we are. Inwardly though, there are still pockets in this country where you can live a life that you can capitalize on the on the gifts that God gave you. So that's that's my reasoning. Okay. Yeah. So folks, I know a lot of us are longing for the emergence of the parallel economy. It is coming, albeit slower than we had hoped. Thankfully, one place where it is fully available is with a product that we all have to use these days in modern society, our mobile phones. So do what our family did. Make the switch to Patriot Mobile. And we put it off for quite a while because we just thought it'd be a big hassle. You know, everybody's got a phone and, and network and everything else. And, and I need it for my job. And then finally, T-Mobile told me that they were going to start censoring text messages on COVID if they thought you were guilty of misinformation. And that was the last straw. Thankfully... Patriot Mobile made it so much smoother than I could have possibly anticipated. And every time we've needed something since then, they have been there for us. For example, they'll be. this is how they're there for you. Uh, at any point in time, you can make the switch uh, to any of the three major service networks. If you're in a part of the, the your community or you move to a new community and one network is stronger than the other, you can make the switch anytime you want. If you're a member at Patriot Mobile for free with their outstanding U.S.-based customer service team. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you're going to make the switch. They've got extra ways to say thank you to you for your service. For the rest of us, you can make the switch today and get a free offer code or get a free activation with the offer code, Steve. Free activation with the offer code, Steve. Steve, when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, again, head over to patriotmobile.com slash Steve or call them at 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. Well, given the conversation we just had, I, I am anxious to see where we go when we get to issue three when we come back. Because it certainly seems as if the abandoned hope all ye who enter debauchery level of pride month many of us on the right were anticipating never materialized or maybe i'm wrong but if i'm right why let's discuss and see if we can go at each other again when we come back All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. Don't forget about our friends over at Eden Pure. Their thunderstorm air purifier gets rid of strong odors from cooking, even cigarette smoke, litter boxes, trash cans. Even the mildew smells from basements are no match for the thunderstorm. Starts working within seconds to clear a room of any odor. And that's why they've sold over 350,000 of these units and thousands of five-star reviews as well. And we've gotten so many five-star reviews from within our audience about raving about how well this product has worked for them. You can get the three-pack for under $200 now. Just go to EdenPureDeals.com and enter the discount code Steve to take advantage of that. Get the three-pack for whole home protection for under $200 plus free shipping when you go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the discount code Steve. That's EdenPureDeals.com discount code Steve. All right, let's welcome back in former Tulsi Gabbard campaign strategist, Paul Alexander. We continue on with our weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue three, swallowing our pride. 
Target Corporation's market cap took a hit of billions of dollars after their announcement of a partnership with a Satanist fashion designer pushing transgenderism for kids. Despite claims to the contrary, there were some in the New York City Pride Parade chanting, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children, which prompted NBC News to run cover for the DGENs. The Supreme Court ruled government can't compel the speech of a Colorado web designer who didn't want to make websites for so-called homosexual weddings. And perhaps the only major scalp the Rainbow Jihad claimed was of one Anthony Bass, who was cut from the Toronto Blue Jays Major League Baseball team, despite participating in a struggle session and apologizing after he shared an Instagram post that was critical of groomers. The post-June rainbow Kool-Aid purge started early. All right, so Paul, I want to go back to you first here to get outside of our own echo chamber because most on the right, even, even people on the right, by the way, who disagreed with Christofascists like me on the marriage issue and thought that we should have marriage equality and what consenting adults want to do on their own, that's not, that's not the majority on the right, but it's about 20, 25% of the right, not an insignificant amount. Um, even they were like, on May 31st, like, you know, Dustin Hoffman's Marathon Man, is it safe? Okay, thinking that based on where this trajectory was going, I mean, last year we had rainbow Oreos, we had rainbow Skittles. Okay, um, I mean, you, there was it, it was it was ubiquitous. It was omnipresent, and I think everybody on the right thought this one, this is we're going to hell and back for the next thirty days, and it seemed like it maybe started out that way, and then the backlash against Dylan Mulvaney and Target. I don't know if the rest of corporate America just saw that and said the juice wasn't worth the squeeze or what, but it ended up being more muted than I can remember the last few years now we also live in iowa but even in iowa i couldn't go to walmart without every aisle in past june's being rainbow something that wasn't there this month so there's a perception here that this thing kind of fizzled out this year or water reached his level do you agree with that and if so uh why and if not why not First of all, hasn't the tagline for Skittles been "Taste the Rainbow" for like thirty years? Yes, but but then they then they make sure that they only make them in si- the the six colors of the flag. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, look, I have never personally partaken in any Pride Month festivity, so I don't have any firsthand experiences to draw from, and I don't really go out of my way to seek out this content online. So it's difficult to say with accuracy. I think the Target boycott and the incredibly stupid Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light controversy probably caused a lot of corporations to pump the brakes, like you said, and rethink any pride-related ad campaigns. So in that respect, I, I do feel we saw a lot less on the brand side this year. Uh, but in terms of what was happening on the ground at a local level, I, I can't really say with any sort of accuracy. What did you see in New York? I mean, it just felt like a typical Pride Month. I, I didn't see anything out of the ordinary. Okay. I, I, you know, I, I've never participated in a parade or a festival, so you know, I, I haven't witnessed any of this stuff firsthand because um, the so reason why i asked that is because you could make the argument that they felt as if well in the places where you're you tend to be demographically far more um approving of this then we kind of go really crazy to make up for the fact that in other places they're really trying to frown on it but you kind of just saw the, the same level of whatever you know activity you see there every june is kind of what you thought you would say yeah i mean there's been 
an elevated level of participation in in pride advertising and festivities here i would say for the last decade or so mm-hmm. um so certainly compared to you know 10 20 years ago obviously it's 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 much more visible uh but year over year compared to last year i i didn't see too much of a discernible difference on the streets well you know i love i, I love i love your city at least i loved it pre-covid I, I, one of my favorite business trips i love going to new york city i was there one june for a june one time on a business trip for a talkers magazine convention it was, and it was june of 2013 and i remember I, and and i saw you know sitting there in manhattan uh for three days i saw nothing pride related I did see a lot of marketing for Man of Steel because it was about to come out, but I didn't see anything pride related there as back in June of 2013, you know? Anyway, Todd, your thoughts. I honestly didn't think that this, there was some nice backlash, but in terms of this being muted or less bad than I thought, I I fear we're getting a little bit numb (laughs) to the chaos and crazy. And that's possible. Like too. I'd like to remind you, using what Aaron did with his uh, walk off in the previous segment, Aaron Aaron gets it. The end of this month was culminated. Well, I, the beginning of the next month, when we're moving on, is the CDC talking about men chest feeding babies. It's it's no lessons were learned. No crazy has been stopped. We, again, would be fooling ourselves. I just think we're just so damn used to it. And since we're unwilling to hit it in the mouth like it needs to be hit, we just like to default to like, eh, I don't know, this is just the kind of the world we live in now. It's, it's appalling, and it's unbiblical. It, this, is, this is Sodom and Gomorrah, and we're just like, yeah, but it's... It's the 21st century now. What you gonna do? I'm so damn sick of this. We're just stuck in park. We like to push the gas in park. We're pretty good at that, actually. Rev in the engine. We kind of drive. We're like Delamitri, Delamitri, that song, driving with the brakes on. Remember that song back in the day? Anyway, that might be the first Delamitri reference in the history of this show. Aaron, go ahead. What do you think? So from two different perspectives, I think from the corporate perspective, this was not nearly as ubiquitous as it has been in years past. I don't know if that's a reaction to Budweiser, Bud Light and Target and seeing what happened to them at the very beginning of June. I would say, though, on the on the on the on the. You know, street level pride fed. This is about as bad as it's ever been. Guys in Seattle, in Seattle, there were guys with their genitals out riding bicycles is that in, front bad? Of, in front of children. Is that bad? I'm not even sure anymore. Is that bad? There were elements of the, the, the crowd at New York City's Pride Parade, or one of them, saying, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. I mean, as, that's as bad as I've, I've ever seen it at a Pride. Just think of it. I mean, look, look, at, uh, look at where... Um, Look at that uh, source that sent Todd the photo of the VA here in Des Moines. Yep. Flying the flag in yep. front of the VA. Thank you for remembering that. I'd forgotten I, about that. So at the granular, it's just as crazy, well, if listen, not it more is, it crazy. Is, it is common at military installations to fly the, yeah. the national yeah. colors here. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I, on a corporate level, yeah, maybe they t- hit the brakes a little bit. Definitely not a target. I mean, not, not in any meaningful way. But 
I, I think on the on the crazy street level wise, no, there's there's no stopping. This is yeah. This is what it, as Christians we keep doing all the time. We this is the thing. Take your kids out of public schools. Okay, great. Do what you have to do for your family. I'm doing that as well. That doesn't mean because you do that with your family that the Borg doesn't exist anymore. We're in a fundamental level of denial as deep as dark as the church has ever faced. And it's because of our damn comfort. Wake up. Exit question. Fill in the blank. Next year's Pride Month will be blank. Aaron. Worse. As long as we have something called a Pride Month, how can it not get worse? Do you mean we don't, I mean, this we don't is, tend to restrain we're, we're, our pride once we unleash it? Is that what you're correct. trying to say? This is a month commemorating the root of all sin. Of all sin. How can yeah. it not get worse on some level, in some way? That's actually a pretty good phrase we just coined. We should maybe use that more often. The root of all sin is pride. Hmm. Kind of surprised no one's ever, we haven't heard that one before. Paul, what do you think? Next year's pride month will be blank. Because it is an Hopefully, election year. Right. Hopefully less contentious. I, I know we're going to disagree here. Uh, look, Incidents of indecent exposure, uh, incidents where young children are being exposed to kink or sexually explicit materials or where a professional sports team honors a drag group that mocks Christianity and denigrates the crucifixion, those are worthwhile battles to fight. Conservatives are righteous in their opposition to those things and will easily win in the court of public opinion. But for otherwise consenting adults who just want to lawfully celebrate gay rights or gender expression, you know, it's not my thing, but it's a free country. And I don't want the LGBT community to start feeling intimidated into silence. Well, going back to the conversation we had before, you had to learn how to police your own. Like, let's go back to the, the roundtable when, when we went back and forth. I started that roundtable off doing what? Or it started off issue one of the roundtable. What did I start off doing in response to someone claiming to wear my jersey was peddling a heresy, right? Yes. Before, any, before I, 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 I invited anybody else to speak, before I asked anybody else into the conversation, someone wearing my uniform was peddling Damn, damnable doctrine. So what did I do before we discussed anything else? Corrected it. I corrected it. I confronted it head on. Because judgment begins in our own house, in the house of God. Begins in our own house first. That guy's wearing our uniform, and what he is saying is a damnable doctrine and false. So that needs to be confronted. And this was going to go one of two ways. Um, either... We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna end up in the reactionary environment, Paul, that you just articulated um, in response to the lack of self-restraint or just complete and total debauchery and we're going to destroy our children in the process. The only way it is even remotely possible these two viewpoints could share the same country is if there were people on the left willing to do to the debauchery that Aaron just talked about with indecent exposure and things of that nature. Instead, a bunch of them went on Twitter and defended it, I saw. Um, without that, you're going to get more of the reaction that, that you say you don't want to that. If you can't correct your own side, if you can't keep your own people disciplined, someone else will do it for you. And that's the thing you don't see. 
There is, I, name me one elected Democrat in the United States of America in the last month who said, hey, stop exposing yourselves. Name me one television host on CNN, MSNBC, or any of their networks who said, hey, pull your damn pants up. Keep them on. Nobody did this. Not a single one did it. And so you're begging for videos like what the DeSantis campaign put out last week when that is the case. Then, be, then, then show you're an adult. Prove people like me wrong. Prove, hell, prove the old 80s religious right wrong. Prove them wrong. Because all you guys do is fulfill like all of their prophecies that are, were, were parodied and, and, and satired as ridiculous reactionaryism at the time. When you're exposing yourself to kids and showing them dildos. Because any previous other generation of Americans would have arrested your ass on the spot for that. Period. So show some, then police your own then. Otherwise, you're going to make us as parents, we're going to have to do it for you. Let's get to the kicker question quickly. If you could pick a month to honor something that isn't currently officially being honored, what, what would it be in which month? Aaron, quickly go. April, it's Patrick Mahomes' month. It's the month he was drafted and <laughs> radically changed my favorite NFL team. Now, I know Easter's in April, too. We, are, we have Lent. We've had, like, this most contentious culture war conversation on the Dace Group in, like, a year. Aaron, well, I really think we should start commemorating Pat Mahomes' birthday. <laughs> Tell me what you disagree about. I don't necessarily no, it's disagree. it's not his birthday. I just, just love the segue. The month, I just loved it. The month he was drafted in. There you go. The month he was drafted in, not Bow even before. his birthday. Yeah. All right. Paul, go ahead. Uh, the easy layup would be veterans and first responders. Uh, my more creative answer would be a national pet adoption month, and I would uh, do it in November to get as many stray animals and, and shelter animals uh, off the streets and into homes before winter. as possible before yeah. the winter. Yeah, that's good. Todd? I would bring forth a new Sabbath, a rot. It, it's not one month. It's a rotating seven-month jubilee where whatever month that lands on, all forms of entertainment, sports, movies, plays in New York, all of it canceled. That might be the most Catholic thing you have ever said. Every seven Thank months. <laughs> Every seven months. I like the I like the symbolism. That is that is absolutely the most Catholic thing you have ever said. You have reached peak Catholic. Well, let me rephrase that. Peak trad. You have reached peak trad. No, don't, do, with that. don't give me the trad label. No? No. Okay. No. All right. Um, predictions. I'll go back to you, Todd. Go ahead. Uh, now I need a second. What was my... Oh, uh, uh, based on uh, stuff going on in um, Northwestern football, we are 10 years away at the very least of having a, a vote for there no longer to be a football team at the University of Northwestern. Uh, I think that, that they've also set the stage that if Fitzgerald has another season like he had last year, he'll be canned. Aaron. Yeah. Uh, I think within, uh, by the end of August, probably after the first debate, or maybe even right around the first debate, at least two people currently running for the GOP nomination will be dropping out. I could see that. Yeah. Paul, go ahead. I will say thanks to the DNC openly, brazenly sabotaging the Democratic primary and not giving. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, a chance to debate Joe Biden. He will be the nominee for either the Libertarian or the Forward Party, and he will be the first third-party candidate to receive double-digit support. I could see Washington. that. If he can get ball the ballot access, I could definitely can see him get, do that. Can we close with him giving us his elevator speech on RFK Jr. more broadly? I mean, what's he think of him as a candidate? If you got 10 yeah. seconds, because I still have to get to my own prediction. Oh, so go that's ahead. right. I'm sorry. You didn't no, no, go ahead. What's your broad view? Yeah, go ahead. I, 
He's certainly interesting. There's a lot of things I like about him. I, I appreciate his pro-libertarian bents. Uh, I will certainly vote for him in the primary. There are a few things I'm not comfortable with, but I mean, he would certainly be a vast improvement over Trump or Biden. All right. My prediction is this is going to be the second straight summer that Tom Cruise is going to save Hollywood from itself with a popular non-woke action movie. Second straight year, he'll end up starring in the number one grossing movie at the box office. It was uh, top. It was Maverick last year. And I think it's going to be the next Mission Impossible this year. I think you're right. And knowing what we know now, I mean, we thought, I mean, the theaters were, the th- I will tell you, the theater industry was convinced that this summer movie season was going to, was going to be huge. That's one of the reasons why all the studios released a bunch of movies before the summer movies, to, because we were all being told, all the, all the smaller films, we were all being told by the theaters there wouldn't be enough screens. And this thing has been a massive, a massive fart in church. A massive fart in church. So... Paul, good to see you, brother. All right, thank you very much, man. All right, we'll come back. It'll be Feedback Friday when we do next. Stay tuned. demand on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here alongside todd erzin aaron mcintyre and all of you and all of you can let us know hopefully though not all at once what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook me we and gab follow me at steve Dace show on twitter get her instagram and tiktok you can also find me over on truth social but you gotta look hard at real steve dace is where you'll find me over there we would like to find your five-star review on our podcast so uh, on the podcast platform of your choice if you have yet to do this please leave us a five-star review hit subscribe or in the case of itunes follow thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already want to also thank our friends at relief factor for sponsoring this portion of the program if you are dealing with too much chronic pain that's because of too much inflammation in the body that's that lag lagging lingering soreness achiness in your joints uh your knee your back uh etc yeah your neck uh you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory backed by physicians who created the formula who can prescribe drugs but they also can get concerned what putting a lot of the various anti-inflammatories from pharma into your body regularly can do so what if there was an all-natural solution they think they have one it is called relief factor and they're so confident in relief factor that they offer it to you for the first three weeks for just 20 bucks see if you don't see a difference in your chronic pain in three weeks or less why do they do that because about 70% of the people who try it for three weeks end up sticking around long-term because of the results that they see. See if you might be their next success story. Go to relieffactor.com. That is relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Again, that is 800-4-RELIEF. Okay. You guys ready for some Feedback Friday? Yes. You bet. Let's begin with this note from Jordan Dickinson. Jordan writes, I am not in a good place. I'm tired. I'm broken. The student loan ruling was devastating for me. I am a father. I go to school board meetings. I try to be active in my church and community. I pay off my credit card bills, my car loan, my health care bills. I can't afford health insurance for me, only for my son. I can't afford a house, so I rent. I struggle, but I still make my student loan payments. I'm lower middle class. My conservative LDS church and everyone said go to college or you'll work at McDonald's. I listened. 
I was convinced that was the only option to succeed. Did I take out the loan? Yeah. The entire system convinced me there was no other way. The payment pause was a giant relief. The GOP fought to end that in the debt ceiling debate, but couldn't do anything else. All the well-connected benefits, but, but all the well-connected get benefits, but I get screwed by a system. They told me that I must go into debt in order to be a part of to succeed. Corporations got free PPP money and I'm hung out to dry. Everyone is responsible for this education scam and no one will address it. And then my fellow conservatives turn around and berate me for begging for some sort of relief while they vote for corrupt politicians that waste trillions. With inflation and everything else, I can't last much longer. Do I go work for a woke corporation for a little more money and just continue to support this broken system and be a good boy and vote Republican and watch faux news to save me? I guess that's what the GOP wants me to do. My vote in this GOP racket doesn't count. Not anymore. It won't change. I don't even think there's at least a chance. But that's the lie I've heard every time. I did my part. It didn't work. I was responsible. A guy was a responsible, God-fearing citizen trying to make it. I'm to the point that I'd rather just bring on the bust. Otherwise, I'll be a part of the forgotten 30% that are going to go bust now. Ten years before, we all go bust. At least if we all go bust, that has a chance to wake up the nation. I know it sounds terrible, and I don't want to be in this place. I really don't. But now I just want us to go bust. I want the bust so true revival comes. I realize the consequences are far beyond my imagination, but what can I do? Most people just aren't serious anymore. The previous generation screwed the millennials with big government. I tried to be a thoughtful, well-informed, active conservative, and now I'm the enemy because I asked for even a pause on these payments until the scam can be fixed. I'm praying actively for personal revival and national bust. I'm broken. Just broken. Really important note. Yes, it is. That's why I wanted to lead off with it. And if you go back to when this was debated, the Biden, um, I was, I was, if you go back to what I said at the time, I was not opposed to what Biden, or I was not in favor of what Biden did and the way that he did it. But I also mentioned that it's very going to be very difficult to say to millennials, you don't get student debt loan relief, but your grandparents get to cost shift their retirement and health care to you. That's going to be a hard sell. You don't get student debt. Student, remember, we had these conversations during, that, during, during this time period when it was being discussed. Early in my career, um, I was in favor uh, of what were called project labor agreements or PLAs. And essentially what it means is if you're a non-union firm bidding for a government contract, you have to agree to pay union wages. Why was I in favor of this? Well, because the Republican Party under its previous iteration gave all kinds of free benefits to major corporations. What was Apple given? How, how many hundreds of millions of dollars in tax credits was Apple given for like 160 jobs or something? You remember what that was at the time? Some kind of just a ridiculous ratio. When I came into this business, Chuck Grassley was trying to convince Iowa taxpayers to fund a, a, a indoor rainforest in Cedar Rapids. Remember all this stuff? Yes. The, the former Republican nominee for governor was actively trying to get government to take away people's private property for his business interests in, under eminent domain and Kilo. And I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Now, now, I don't believe anybody should get a damn thing. Nothing. But if we're not going to do that, then there is nothing. The Bible is very clear about unjust weights and scales. If we're not going to do that, if we're not going to be a truly righteous society and that no one gets a damn thing for free, earn everything you've got. If we're not going to do that, 
then hell no, am I going to be in favor of give corporations grift and leave the little guy at home? No way I'm for that. And people lost their, Republicans lost their minds that I was on the big conservatives station making this case. That's similar to the spirit of what Jordan is talking about here. Now, there are problems with what Biden proposed. So, yes, Jordan, you were given student loan debt relief, but did the funding to the universities from government stop? No. No. So you're getting student loan debt relief. Meanwhile, other people who can, who, don't, who can afford it are being taxed to keep funding the universities to keep lying to people. This wasn't student loan debt relief. This was an attempt... This was, a, this, was the most, this was one of the largest wealth redistribution schemes ever proposed in the history of humanity. This was an attempt to get people like me, who blessedly, I do make a good living now. For many years in this business, I didn't make a great living. I do make one now. But this was, this was an attempt to get people like me who, do, who worked very hard. This show, I, I ran the, I, I've owned my own show the entire time. It took me a decade. It's only been in the last couple of years that I have not lived paycheck to paycheck. We had to grow this audience 400%. I had to write two best-selling books and get a movie deal to not live paycheck to paycheck. So no, I don't feel any guilt or remorse at all for the success I have right now. I earned it. That still doesn't make me unsympathetic to your plight. But brother, what was being offered to you as debt relief was saying to people like me, we had to keep funding these universities to keep indoctrinating people and they becoming good Democrats. That's what this was. It was not a debt relief program. It was a massive wealth redistribution. So we'll make it look like people like you, Jordan, are getting a break. Meanwhile, we're going to keep the gravy train going so that even more people will come to our universities and receive even more indo- and more people will be even more indoctrinated than they ever were before. That's why the method in which we do fairness does matter. It does matter. This wasn't fairness. This was wealth redistribution. Now, all that being said, brother, I've got all the feels for the spirit of what you wrote. So then what's the practical solution? I have one. I think I mentioned it the other day when this came up, guys. We are going to provide student loan debt relief to people like Jordan. And it will be offset against the funding given to the universities. They will pay for it. One of the things we did in Iowa several years ago that I thought was genius is we came up with this thing called a drug tax stamp. That you had to have a tax, you had to, you had to be registered as a business to sell drugs. And you had to have a tax stamp. And, of course, can you, get, can you truly be registered legally to sell narcotics? No. Which means how many drug dealers had the tax stamp? <laughs> None of them did. Why did we do this? So that we could free, we could seize their assets. Because they, they, they received them. They accumulated them under criminal, false, destructive pretenses. They used the destruction they peddled to other people in order to enrich themselves. And so we, we not only now charge drug dealers in Iowa criminally, but we charge them in terms of civil forfeiture. Hey, you, didn't have a, you don't have a tax stamp. So we seize your assets. That's what we should do to the predatory lending that's gone on called the university system. 
We're seizing your assets. I, I, you know, remember when Trump used to promise, hey, we're going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it? And everybody used to say at that time, well, how's he going to do that? I used to say it was actually pretty simple. He just didn't have the, the balls to do it. Mexico was receiving at that time like $900 million a year in foreign aid from the U.S. Just tell Mexico, all right, from now on, um, that's an offset. Until the, until the wall is constructed, we just offset the cost of constructing the wall against your foreign aid. That's how you pay. You've made, you've, you, that's how you make Mexico pay for it. Same thing here. You give people like Jordan a break for being sold a lie. Because if you are Gen X or millennial, the pressure to go to college is if you're a terrible person, unsuccessful. Even now, even in the homeschool community. So we've had two daughters graduate. One of them, by the way, is in the, on the show every week. Does she seem socially maladjusted to you and unintelligent and no, no ambition, no drive? Does, she, does Anastasia come across like that to you? She seems to be able to walk and chew bubblegum at the yeah. same time. Do you, do you know many, how many uh, hours, credit hours she has at a, American University? I believe that's zero. It's a pretty low number. The lowest one, actually. Zero. Her younger sister, you know what she loves? Working with kids. And so her, as she got into like her last year and a half of homeschooling, there wasn't much left for her to do. She started working a lot of hours at a local daycare. She, she developed a love working for kids by volunteering at the nursery at church like every Sunday for like three years. She's like, hey, you guys, I can get paid doing this? I'll, you know, cool. I love kids. I'll just do it professionally. And now, end of July... She's taken uh, some time off after graduation, you know, going to do some uh, vacations and some fun stuff. And then when she goes back to work in late July, she starts a brand new job and a new daycare. Even now, though, when we had our grad party a few weeks ago, and even, even, even now, even in our own little subculture, so what are you doing next? Going to work. There were still several, oh. Like, it's still, like the expectation was you're like half mm -hmm. a human being. If you, don't, if you don't pay $400 a credit hour you don't have for communist indoctrination, you don't need now, it's not as bad as it was like 10 years ago it, when it was really bad for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It, the expectation was you had to go. There's even, there is more, con even people like Marco Rubio, who's a kind of a corporatist, are talking about bringing back trade schools and things of that nature. So this, this, this language is returning. It just needs to return even all the more so. But we make the predatory lenders, they pay. The universities do. So you, you do get your student loan debt relief, Jordan. You do. It's just the American taxpayer is not going to pay. The universities are. It's an offset against the funding that they are still getting. Because if we don't do it that way, then this is just a wealth redistribution scheme. And Democrats then call it student loan debt relief when it's really just a, a way to get Republicans who actually work for a living to subsidize the communist indoctrination uh, that they want the, univer the Democrats demand the universities do on their behalf. Thoughts? Absolutely. And I mean, another way you could offset this, I know some have discussed this as well, seize the endowments. There you go. I, I, I think yeah. I, another Jordan, Jordan Schachtel, I think Trump got, has said that before and yeah. I cheer every time he has said it. Yeah, another yeah. Jordan, Jordan Schachtel, who's been a guest on, on our show multiple times, said last weekend, I think uh, after this ruling came down, something along the lines of, and I think this is the crux of the issue here, if you, if you cheered the ruling from the Supreme Court, you can't defend an indefensible system. The system, the academic system is indefensible. Higher education is indefensible. So my position is I'm fine with relief so far as it means reforms that mean the vast majority of academia crashes and burns and never comes back the way that it has been. Because you're absolutely right. 
this has been a pressure point for multiple generations. You have to go to college or you'll never be successful. And corporate America, for the most part, has enacted that. To get an entry-level position, you need a bachelor's degree or some, some other degree for, you know, basically bean counting or being an office assistant or something along those lines. That was maybe, if we look back, there were signs, my, my slippery friend, that was maybe the beginning of fascism, as we see it now in America, is the notion that in order to be accepted into the uh, good graces of corporate America, the upper echelons of the titans of, of industry, to get an entry-level position, you must move away from your parents and be exposed to ideas that probably probably they would not approve of for four years and then then you will be malle i'm sorry malleable uh you will be fit to, to to come join our ranks that was the great lie and that was maybe the beginning of fascism as we see it today in this country so at the end of the day i believe you take out a loan you pay it back but also if you take out a loan if you're promised if you're promised a brand new car and you're sold a brand new car, and you take out a loan to pay for that car, but it's actually a lemon, and the person who knew it, or selling it, knew it was a lemon, what would we call that? Fraud, to some degree, or mm -hmm. something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Why is it different in this context? Well, because there's an entire system for multiple reasons, whether it's the gravy train, or whether it's cultural marching through, you know, cultural subversion and institutional subversion, that has to be preserved at all costs. So, yeah, the whole thing is a scam, and you cannot defend the indefensible. So if you're cheering the Supreme Court ruling, cheer for the notion that you can't just, an executive can't just redistribute wealth on his yeah. own, own whims. That's the only win here. The rest of this, no, this system is still broken. And, man, I, I really I sympathize with your, with your note, Jordan. Amen. You have thoughts, Todd? I do. I, I absolutely sympathize. I think in the macro sense, you guys have covered all of it, and I agree uh, entirely. And to our Jordan, his name is our letter writer? Jordan, yes. Yeah, and I when you say maybe things need to simply bottom out, you're making the comfort argument. We've had that discussion. Steve's talked about he had a relatively recent epiphany of what that meant along those lines. I, I mean, you're right there. But I think for a second there, we need to hone in on just you as a Christian because there's a lot of despair whether you're right in the macro sense in the you sense right now you're you're not allowed yourself to let yourself become a victim entirely on this even when you have objectively victimized but ultimately in a land of we the people you and me and all of us we've participated in this level of cruise control you admitted it in your letter yourself i went along with the lie you did and that and and you as a christian man would be better to simply own that and heal from it and move on than where you are right now which is you seem to be like you're on the razor's edge and again it's hard we're all at this point as people of faith and the, one of the great things about this show with steve dace is uh he talks about that very specifically as applies to him and people in general but you got to get off this ledge and by allowing yourself to feel perpetually victimized is, 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 I think, I fear, damaging to you. So that's bringing it back to you specifically. I, I, I do think you've got to own your part in this, your complicity uh, in this, as I do. Steve, we've all had a sense of this thing is on, it's America, man. It's on, it's on cruise control. 
and we lied to ourselves. So heal yourself from that uh, and, and um, move forward in a sense of strength. Be not afraid uh, and set aside the notion of perpetual victimhood. That is a tool of the devil. It is a progressive uh, shibboleth. It is not ours to possess. Correct. That's a very important point. Are you are, are you victimized by the system? Yes. yes. But are you a victim? No. In fact, as men, we are just not permitted on any level to ever pr- pronounce ourselves as victims. There is always some responsibility that we still have to fulfill by virtue of being men. And uh, if we allow ourselves to, uh, to, uh, to in- embrace the identity of victim, we will not fulfill those responsibilities. Your son is still expecting you to set the right example for him. Correct. All right. And, and so therefore you need to do that. Not to mention the, the level of nihilism that you're feeling, the system that did this to you, you're not hurting them with it. Exactly. They don't care about you. Exactly. You're only building a prison of your own making. The best revenge against them is, is, is to kick their ass by, by finding the best way to be the man your son needs you to be. That's the best revenge you get Amen. against them. And for some, some good or positive news for once, I mean, I think... I think the the trend or the lie that's being exco- exposed about higher ex- education, I mean, it's it's trending. I can confirm this anecdotally. I've seen some evidence of this uh, data-wise as well. Fewer and fewer young people are going to college, at least universities anyway, four-year universities. I think that's an encouraging an encouraging thing. All right. Can we take a quick time out and talk about my underwear? You guys okay with that? It's the Steve Day Show. Because you guys know I'm a big fan of the Tommy John underwear. It is great underwear. And they always send me these very detailed scripts. But the reality is that the best pitch I can give you guys is this is the only underwear I have bought since they first came on our show, what, about four years ago? Maybe even longer. Maybe about 2018. And the best endorsement I can give any product is when they let me try it for free at first to see if I like it. And then I keep coming back over and over and over again out of my own pocket because that's how good it is. That's why they have thousands of five-star reviews. They've sold over 20 million pairs of underwear. It's the most comfortable underwear you'll ever have. Um, Buy one pair and you'll realize you'll never want to own another kind of underwear ever again. All right. So if you want to shop their summer collection, and yes, they've got stuff for the ladies as well. 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Steve. 20% off your first order right now. You won't regret it. TommyJohn.com slash Steve. That's TommyJohn.com slash Steve. And if I can make a recommendation, the cool cotton underwear. That's what I would recommend. The cool cotton underwear. TommyJohn.com slash Steve for 20% off your first order. Okay, back to the Feedback Friday. In March of 2020, I started my journey to find God again. I was raised by a single mom until I was six, and then my mom remarried. I never had a super close relationship with my stepdad. My biological father was non-existent. We never attended church, but I was always drawn to religion when I was younger. I'd participate in youth groups and the high school's fellowship for Christian athletes. I always felt there was something to it that I needed to understand. Then after high school, I drifted away because it wasn't the cool thing to do. I met a girl when I was 21, ended up having an abortion after she had lied to me about being on birth control come around in my journey back to God I've seen nefarious now three times I'm having feelings of regret and acceptance and just acceptance of it in general 
My wife isn't quite at the same level I am when it comes to the life issue, having had a much different childhood than me, and she doesn't understand what I'm dealing with. So if you have any advice on how to help my absolutely amazing wife understand what I'm going through, I would greatly appreciate it. I know God puts us on a path that we don't understand, but this is hard for me to grasp. I don't go to church regularly as I moved to this area about a year ago and I haven't found the right fit. I'm worried most churches won't speak truth that I want to hear these days. I'm way down the rabbit hole and the scandemic and what it did to me with all the lies is the reason. I appreciate your time. Thanks for all you guys do. Jim Schmidt. Well, Jim, in a way, I would give you the same advice that we just gave to Jordan. Am I a frequent critic of the current pathetic state and emasculated effeminate state of the American church. Yes. Uh, do I attend an American church almost every single week? Yes. Yes. So you first and foremost need community as a believer. We weren't made to be free agents. Before sin enters into the world, God looks at creation and, sa- and looks at the man and says, you know, it is not good for the man to be alone. We are, we are not meant to be isolated. We are not meant to be without community, without support, um, to be free agents, off doing our own thing. That's not how we are made. And, you know, Sometimes for a season, we don't have a choice where that's concerned, given we live in a sinful, fallen world, but that's not the ideal. So the first thing that I would advise for you, brother, is to be intentional about finding a church that provides you encouragement, community, and equipping. And if that means you've got to try every church in the new place where you live, then so be it. You try every church. But, but I, I think whatever advice we would offer you right now would be difficult to sustain without that support network of a church family. And so that would be my prime directive encouragement to you. Take advantage, take, take responsibility. The word is clear. Let us not give up meeting together. The word is clear how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity and praise the Lord. The word is clear. When two or more are gathered in my name, there I am also. The word is clear on these things. It is very clear. Now, why is it clear? Uh, uh, God's an attention hound. He lacks self-confidence and just, you know, there needs to be, he needs to see that he still has a certain Q rating with the pup. No, no. It's because without those things, you feel the way you do right now. Meaning that God's decrees and, and stipulations and commands are for our benefit, not for his. He doesn't need any benefits. He's God. He determines benefits. He's got all the benefits he needs by virtue of himself. So these things are for our benefit. And I, I think you need encouragement, support, equipping. And so my first encouragement to you would be to be intentional about seeking that out in your community before you proceeded in any other direction. But gentlemen, what do you think? And as it applies to you specifically address, how do I make my wife understand? Here's one thing about faith. It surpasses all understanding. 
and you, I, you need uh, my wife and I have now been married for 21 years. We don't understand each other fully. She's her, I'm me. Sometimes, in some ways, we might understand each other less in some regards, but love conquers all the more. I, I think you have to be allowed. You have to allow yourself to be vulnerable some difficult and challenging uh, conversations. But I hope if, the, if there is real love there, even if there's not understanding, there's a sense uh, from her and from you, you are in this, uh, I'm, it's the, uh, I'm with you till the end, uh, Captain mm -hmm. America line, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you, I, I hope you have faith in that uh, with your wife. You, uh, don't, don't count on understanding tomorrow or the next day. It's, this is your journey with you and God. Um, and it's going to play out uh, it, with you partnered uh, to her. That's, that's definitely challenging. That's undeniable. Don't even try to wish that away. But just be as open and transparent as you can on what you're going through. And pray, pray to God that he takes care of your wife in that regard because she's got her own journey with him. Yeah, ultimately, ultimately, what was Ravi Zacharias? And I hate hate saying his name now, but uh, his, his line, and I know it's been echoed by, by numerous people. At the end of the day, as good of an arguer as he, were, he, he was, you don't argue people into the kingdom of, of heaven. Same thing applies here. The Holy Spirit, that's your job is, number one, stay faithful to your maker. Number two, stay th faithful to your, to your wife. But included in that, faithful to your maker, faithful to your wife. Um... The Holy Spirit does does its own work on your wife's soul. Mm -hmm. So get out of the way as much as you as much as you can. As Todd said, if there is true love there, I would be optimistic. Maybe not today or tomorrow or next week, but I would be optimistic if there's two, true love between you two. That eventually the Holy Spirit will work, and probably God will use you, being her husband, in that work. It just may take may take a lot of time. That's well said, both of you. Speaking of time, I think we don't have the time to be fair to another one. So we've got some more good ones coming up. Um, the debate over moving, man, that continues, by the way. I'd imagine it would. I mean, that, there's, that's pretty heated, man. That is pretty heated. So when we come back, we're going to have a note. Um by somebody who made the move and uh, likes the move they made and looks at the numbers and thinks that more people ought to make the same move. We'll do that. And what else do we have? We have a question about repentance, which is really good. We'll get to those and more here in a moment. Stay tuned. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. I love my Miracle Made bed sheets inspired by NASA. They use silver infused fabrics that makes temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. I am notoriously a hot blooded sleeper, but with Miracle Made sheets, man, I mean, that's just, if anything, I'm, I'm cooler even in the summertime at night. 
than I want to be. Uh, they also uh, are come from a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding uh, with sheets, pillowcases, comforters that present 90, or prevent 99% of the bacteria requiring three times less laundry, self-cooling properties, self-cleaning properties as well. Uh, infused with a silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So you can't beat it. Fantastic product. I'd urge you to try it uh, when you go to trymiracle.com slash dace. That's trymiracle.com slash dace. If you order today, you can, you can save 40% off. And if you use our promo code dace at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. That's big savings, folks. 40% off at trymiracle.com slash dace. And with the promo code dace, three free towels, and you'll save an extra 20% as well with Miracle Made, backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Trymiracle.com slash dace. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash dace. All right, let's get back to Feedback Friday. This is a note from Michael. I'm excited that someone is finally mentioning the need for Christians and conservatives to abandon left-wing states and move where their votes can make a difference. Even George Washington understood that the key to winning the revolution began with a a strategic retreat from New York. Using the 2020 numbers, even with all the fraud, a shift of 200,000 from the left-wing states could have delivered six states into the Republican column. Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, Nevada, New Hampshire, and Pennsylvania. An additional 500,000 voters leaving the deepest of blue states could deliver small population Democrat states like Maine, New Mexico, Delaware, Rhode Island, and Vermont. We're looking at 320 electoral college votes and 72 Senate seats if just 700,000 Christians and veterans were willing to move across some of these state lines. The same kind of people who would go anywhere in the world to spread the gospel on on the mission field, who are willing to serve in uniform to fight for freedom across the world instead of a presidential campaign spending $800 million on TV ads in an attempt to convince unpersuadable voters to switch sides, we should put that money into moving companies and help strategically relocate reliable voters to states where their votes will actually count this is more than doable because over twice that many voters fled california and new york just since 2020 we just need to think more strategically about relocating and running up majorities even higher in places like florida and texas please do not stop talking about this idea one of the things before i throw it to you guys that i am just flummoxed by and i have even seen this now from Christian thinkers that I have affirmatively cited and retweeted and shared and quoted from in the past, that this is unbiblical. I just don't even, I don't understand this. I mean, there is a, there is a grand tradition of God's people fleeing ungodliness, a grand tradition of it. First of all, the Lord's command, when you see the abomination of desolation, stay there, minister to the city, be seeker friendly. Is that what he said? Is that, how this, is, that, is that what the sentence says? Is that how it ends, Todd? We don't want those people. They, they, we need to reach all those people so they can, they can make the choice uh, whether to follow me or not. So stay there and watch Hadrian and Titus desecrate every last morsel of what you think is true and good and beautiful in the world. Um, is that how it ends? Is that the no, scripture verse? No. No, the Lord says when you see the abomination of desolation, flee. And so when Hadrian and Titus showed up, and I, it, it, one was in 70, the other one 110, I can never remember which. God's people were like, huh, well, weird. Um, though the Jews who were not Messianic, so they didn't 
know what Jesus said or believed it, they stood and fought and largely got slaughtered. The Jews who did believe Jesus was Messiah remembered what Messiah had said because the apostles had told them. And so when they saw the abomination of desecration of the temple, guess what they did? They stood there and uh, they, they, they made sure to share a copy of Purpose Driven Life with all of the Romans. No, that's not what they did. Uh, they, they, they got the, the, the heck out of there and went to a place in Jordan called Petra. Why did they flee? Why did they do that? Because that's what the Lord told them to do. He told them to flee. At Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot was told with his unnamed wife, now, what you guys need to do here is to make sure you guys are going to go door to door and ask everybody here as the sulfur comes down, if you had to die today, would you know whether you're going to heaven or not? That's what you guys are going to do. Is that what what they were told? Nope. That's not what they were told. They were told to get the heck out of there and don't turn back. And unfortunately, Lot's wife did. That's why we don't know her name. Because she dumb. Didn't listen. So no, no point even naming her. She's just that dumb. Couldn't even walk in a straight line and not turn back. Couldn't even follow that command. So no point naming that broad. She's an idiot. So she received her reward in full. Have you ever celebrated Thanksgiving? Anybody? Anybody heard of Thanksgiving? You know, that's the holiday we celebrate when a bunch of Protestants who were upset that other Protestants were telling them that they could not actually practice Sola Scriptura. And so they realized that the Lord told them that they should stay exactly where they are at and allow themselves to be killed when there were other available options. And so they just stayed there, all died out. That was kind of the end of the Puritan, the Puritan movement in the church. But we commemorate their deaths every November. Is that, is, is that the event? No. No, they got on a boat. Some of them did die fleeing. But the ones that survived, survived because they fled. And they put right in the charter why they came here. To establish a kingdom of Christ. For the advancement of the Christian, the advancement of the Christian religion. There is a grand tradition of fleeing. A grand tradition of fleeing, actually. The disciples... They're holed up in the upper room. Hiding. Why weren't they out in the open? Why weren't they just preaching out in the open to the people of Jerusalem? I mean, there's a grand tradition of fleeing, hiding. A grand tradition. Well, Steve, the apostles were all martyred. There wasn't anywhere to go. Why were they martyred on the day they were martyred and not days previously? Because previous days, were those the only points... You're, you're the guy here with the tree. You're the representative as the Catholic on the show. You big are rep- T, big T. Yes, we, you, are, you are our official ambassador of tradition here on the program. Fair? I will accept that. Was title. the only time Peter ever faced martyrdom, the time they finally got him and hung him upside down? Was that the only time? The not. rest of his days, he was welcomed with open arms. People, you know, let's, let's find out what this suddenly coherent and educated fisherman has to say. I'm, I'm strangely curious. They just, I mean, it was, he, was, he was a hit on the speaking tour, right? I mean, he was I mean, constantly being booked. He was constantly speaking out in the open, free of any, of any disdain, any attack whatsoever. Right? That's how it went, right? It and then there was just the one time, and he, made, he said one wrong thing. He made, he, he did, he pulled, this was his Steve Dace, Car- Carly Fiorina, full vagina moment. And the, and the people, and the people just couldn't handle it. And he stepped on a rake, and they got him just that one time, and he paid a stiff penalty for it. That's how it works, right? It is not. It is not. There is a grand tradition of this. A grand tradition of running, fleeing, escaping. Grand traditions of it. 
um, Western civilization is here because um, what was left of the Union of the Allied Army was sitting on those beaches at Dunkirk. And they thought, you know, we should really just sit here and minister, actually. And does anybody have a gospel tract? Maybe the Nazis haven't heard this. No, man. They jumped on whatever boat could make it across the channel and got the heck out of there. Okay? I, I just, I don't understand this. I don't. We're not, we're not talking about... It. If I was making the argument, you know, why are you just sitting there and paying higher state income taxes in California? You're a terrible person. That's not really a gospel senator argument, is it? Mm. We're telling you to get the hell out of California because they're going to take your kids from you if you don't. Is that maybe more of a gospel-centered argument, do you think, perhaps? Okay. We're not making a materialistic argument here. You know what the funny thing about this is? I don't understand it. I don't. The, these people not only won't flee, but dig in on a biblical level, as you're saying, when the people who actually believe in the ideology actually get sick of it, move to Texas... And plant their ideology yes, there. Yes, yes. They and, flee. That's exactly right. And, and then just, pollute Texas. Yes. Yeah. Beto O'Rourke almost beats Ted Cruz in a Senate race. Yeah. So they conquer the earth, and you've got your own private Idaho there and wherever you... I mean, I, I see this as... Conviction I, wins. Every yeah. time, yeah. conviction wins. Whoever is the most convicted in the rightness of their cause will eventually win. That is the story of history. And it was just posted as a laugh track recently again, the the outward migration from California to Texas. It continues. Are we 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 too used to like whenever when did this it was Rick Perry. So we're going on 20 years, are we? Like yep. this, it it seemed like a win. Does it seem like a win anymore? It seems like we're losing that end of the bargain. I mean, uh, if if you're John MacArthur or Jack Hibbs, somebody like that, we're not calling for you to leave California. In fact, we're actually kind of sad there's not 50 more of you doing what you're doing in California. If you are doing some form of ministry or something, by all means, man, Nineveh needs the gospel every bit as much as yeah. any other part of the world does. How many of those 17 million votes wasted in these states do you think are doing that? Because let, let, me, let me tell you what ministry isn't. I just live my own comfortable life. I go to church once a week. I never actually confront anything in my community at all pay my bills that that's 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 not there's nothing missional about that nothing so absolutely uh, i would tra- I, w- I would trade one lost soul for all of america as much as i love this country and you know why i would do that because my lord would leave 99 behind to find even the one lost sheep i'm emulating him that's his heart even if, even if I was the only human and, or the only sinner on this earth, my Lord still would have gone to the cross just for me. That's his heart. So by all means, if you are doing gospel mission, we're not talking to you. We're not. That comes first, second, third, fourth, fifth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 28th, 47th, 53rd. But if you're not doing that, or it's not, you know, I've got an elderly parent or somebody I got to take care of. What are you doing there, other than just wasting your citizenship? I I don't understand that. I don't, and I don't understand the resistance to it on a biblical level when there are numerous biblical examples of fleeing. Numerous biblical examples of it. Numerous examples in church history of it. 
numerous examples in Western history of it. One of the great, um, one of the great monuments in Texas is the Alamo. They all died, if I recall. But if they if they could have escaped and fought another day, do you think they would have just sit there and said, you know, we just want, we just, we 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 in particular feel like dying today. Today just seems like we're Klingons. Today's a good day to die. We just want to die today. So yes, there's a way out that would allow us to regroup and, and win another day. But we just feel like we should die today. Do you think they would have done that? Probably not. Not too many examples of that in history. Most of the time when people die for their cause, it's because they had no other option. There was nowhere else to go. Almost every other time, when there is somewhere else to go, they go. They don't just stay there. I, I don't understand it. I don't. Well, Steve, that's easy for you to say. Look at the state you live in in Iowa. Iowa was not in this position. I helped make it like this. I used every platform I had, every relationship I have. I, I, I burned every bridge. I, I, I incinerated relationships to yeah. do whatever I could to help make my state make the turn that it has made. Yeah. What role I played, I don't know. I, I don't think it's significant. I don't think it's a zero, though, either. I clearly played some role See, in that process. When you bring up these letters... You never bring up these people itemizing the things they're doing. By all means, tell us. I mean, if you're living in Eastern Oregon and you're part of that greater Idaho movement trying yeah, to get, hey, yeah, yeah. say, get that yeah. thing done. Yeah. But you never tell us, and I, I think you know by now, if they were there, you'd tell us. What are they? Are, I'm just taking names at the school board. You should. It's never that. It's just, I opened up my Bible and it says, stay while... The state is clearly uh, surrounding me on all sides with the unbiblical. Steve, I don't know. This is crazy. I'm hearing that this isn't really possible. Are you telling me as an individual you can open up your Bible and read it and not get it right? Because I'm told quite frequently these days that that's not something that can happen. I think that you can open it up and refuse to get it right. Yeah. I think you can refuse to get out of it what you want to get out of it. That's what I think you can get. Yes, you can. I think you can do that. And there's been a lot of that going around for... A good many moon, not just here, but yes, elsewhere and eons. Yes, yeah. I don't. I don't understand the disdain about. Let me go somewhere where I am more free to live out my mission. I. I don't understand that. I, there's a grand tradition of doing that, all throughout biblical and church history. Actually, we live in a country founded by people who did exactly that. The people who founded this country, the Puritans, and they weren't even fleeing Todd's heathen, uh, heathen Catholics. They weren't even fleeing the ungodly Muslims. It wasn't even the Moors. They were fleeing Protestants, okay? <laughs> they fled Protestants to come here and bring the Protestant work ethic to this new world. They're the founders of the country. Why did they found this country? They read a brochure. They were listening to, a, they were listening to the Steve Day Show podcast about these great incentives uh, for uh, uh, New World Foundation. Uh Good tax rates there. Housing values, that's why they did it. No, they fled for their lives. That's why they did it. Farmer's Armanac probably told them to go. That, that was it too, probably. Yes, indeed. And now, because we commiserated on that for so long, I don't know that we have time to get to another one. <laughs> Dang it. It was delightful, though. Do you think it's a theological thing? If we can give the most benefit of the doubt as possible 
Joel Webin, who wrote the book Fight by Flight, I believe that's the name of it. Yeah. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And apparently this kicked off, his interview here kicked off a huge uh, amount of, of uh, <clears throat> let's just call it uh, debate and confrontation his way. He released a video following up and yeah. he said, basically, it was great. the lines on this issue, whether or not moving to places that are more likely to not take your kids away in some, at some point in time, the lines on this debate were basically drawn in the same places as the Christian nationalism versus whatever the other side of that debate is. Do you think that is, do you think that's accurate from what you've seen, Steve? Because that would kind of make sense. I, I think, and I've pointed this out before, one of the things that I have noticed in politics is a lot of people, too, or too many people, act against their own stated eschatology. Premillennials who think the world gets worse no matter what we do. So, the, yeah, but on the other hand, you'd think you would have like this, like, sense of immediacy like you know we're running out of time this could be the the rapture could happen at any moment we gotta you know we gotta stand for as much righteousness and reach as many people as we possibly could post-millennials who think that the church is victorious in history a lot of times what i have found is trying to mobilize and organize them is the hardest of all no one's like good enough no one is i've got john calvin or rush dooney as my avatar on facebook and no one could possibly measure up okay and then your all millennials think that when they're doing politics, they can just act like the Romans. They're in the city of man. We can just behave like them and not be prophetic or anything at all. That's been We're doing my great experience. here. We're doing great here. Everything's great. We're all fine here. How are you? John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.